today we are honestly doing something I'm a little nervous about. Yeah, it's... We're attacking a pretty big question. It's a big question. Today, we're going to dive into the question, did God cause COVID-19? Welcome to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brian Higgins, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Aaron Salvato. So if we're both nervous about this, why are we doing this? Why do we need to ask this question? Well, I think we need to ask it because honestly, we've seen so many people on social media asking this. We've seen people kind of in this moment of confusion crying out and just being like, what is going on? Like, is this God judging us? Like, why is this happening? Mm -hmm. You know, people are losing their jobs, people are dying. And so there's this natural response that people have where they're wondering, like, where is God in all of this? And then we've also seen people making definitive statements. And it's been at times religious leaders and pastors saying, yeah, this is actually God's judgment against you. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of examples we've seen that are kind of pushing us towards, we should talk about this a little bit. Just so you know, we're not going to be linking to any specific examples because we don't want to be the people that go out and bash and rally against people saying like, can you believe what that guy said over there? So we're going to try and pull back a little bit. Yeah. Um, We don't want to throw too many people under the bus. There's a lot of churches that are handling the situation different than others. Yeah. And you may have seen examples that we haven't seen. Right. And so we don't want to discredit those examples and say, well, only the people that we talked about are the ones that are doing it wrong when really there's so many people saying so many things that we just want to talk about the kinds of responses that are out there that are super off. I mean, there was one article that we saw of a pastor saying really definitively that God was judging the world for two groups. Apparently these are the two big groups that God is against the most evil. He was talking, he was talking about how there's evil environmentalists. That's his quote, not ours. And gay people. Yeah. So and he's like, mind, those, those two groups, the, the God's two bringing evil. the virus against them. Yeah. There was a televangelist that I heard who said the same thing. And then there was another pastor I heard recently who preached on, it was a Sunday before things were getting really bad in the U.S. And he was saying that God was just judging the rest of the world for their evil ways. But he was sparing. they're the evil ones. Yeah, they're the evil ones, all the other countries. But mm-hmm. God was sparing the United States because American Christians support Trump And then like the next week, it started to get really bad in the United States. So there's just, there's so much bad theology and just weirdness floating around from even pastors, which is really sad. Now let's, let's give a little bit of credit. And if you're listening and you're thinking, how on earth are you going to give credit? Don't worry. This is the only time we're going to do this, (laughs) but it's really difficult when crisis comes. Yeah. And as a pastor where so much of what you do is you try to help people see definitive biblical answers. It's really tough to stand up on a Sunday in front of your congregation and just kind of shrug your shoulders and be like, I don't know. Like so much of what you do (laughs) is you provide answers. And when you feel like you can't do that, you start grasping for anything that looks like an answer. And the hard part is when you look through human history, so much of that is finding someone or something that you can blame. Yeah, we, we as humans, we want someone to blame, something to blame, um, anything but our own sin. 
And it's interesting, a lot of people I feel like are in this headspace where it's almost like this this self-righteousness where it's like, obviously, obviously God is punishing us. This is actually a, a tweet from, uh, believe it or not, Hulk Hogan, who is not... Greatest theologian of our time. He's not an esteemed theologian, but he is a public figure, so his tweet was getting a lot of attention. From what I understand, I don't think Hulk wrote this, but he... Which is why we feel comfortable using his name here. <laughs> yeah. He he didn't write it, but he shared it. So this is a text that somebody texted or tweeted at Hulk. And he said, in three short months, just like he did with the plagues of Egypt, God has taken away everything we worship. God said, you want to worship athletes? I'm going to shut down the stadiums. You want to worship musicians? I'll shut down the civic centers. You want to worship actors? I'll shut down the theaters. You want to worship money? I will shut down the economy and collapse the stock market. You don't want to go to church and worship me? Well, then I'm going to make it where you can't go to church. <laughs> oh, man. I love that ending. Yeah. Of like, you want to worship everything else? Nope. Oh, now you want to come back to me? Like, God is like the withholding girlfriend in he's, that text. He's just so petty he's like, and vindictive. Oh, now you want to text me? Well, no. Ah. Uh. It's so, it's so bad. And, and of course, so many people are liking it and sharing it. And then at the end of the, the tweet, it goes on to Second Chronicles 7.14, which is that classic verse that everyone's using right now. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And then he goes on, maybe we don't need a vaccine. Maybe we need to take this time of isolation from the distractions of the world and have a personal revival where we focus on the only thing in the world that really matters, which is Jesus. Which, I mean, it, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like there's so much, there's, there's like truth nestled into like a layer of falsehood, if that makes sense. It's just, it's kind of a mess. I completely agree. I mean... Looking at the first part where it's talking about all these different ways in which we've constructed idols in American culture, a lot of that feels like it makes sense. Mm. I, I think we can definitely look at the culture that we're in and we can see really strong elements of idolatry and we can see all those different things. And definitely yeah. looking at the closing sentence of that, I don't think we're disagreeing that the only real thing that matters in the world above everything else is Jesus. I mean, it's the whole reason but why we do this podcast is because exactly. Jesus is the most important thing and we want to talk about him. But but there's so much in there that just makes God sound so different than how I think the Bible portrays him. Like so much in here is like a petty ready to be angry at you looking to just wreck your life. Like imagine, imagine having this conversation with a friend of yours yeah. where like you go to your friend and you start telling them all this stuff that happened where you're like, I lost my job and my house burned down and my dog got stolen. And your friend was like, yeah, I took all those things away from you <laughs> because you weren't spending enough time with me and you were a bad friend. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like just, what a terrible yeah. person this is. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's just, it's this weird kind of moralism that basically just says, you know, all of these other things, all these other people in the world, they're the problem. They're the one causing it. 
God is just vindictive and petty. And so he's removing all these things. He's causing people to get sick and die specifically to get people to worship him. It's just sad to me that this is where people are taking it. There's this idea that's floating around and we want to address it. And let's just at the top, let's just give some clear answers at the top of the episode to key questions around the issue because we've been accused before. I had a friend actually, when we did our uh, sex and nudity podcast episode, um, he was like, you guys believe it's wrong. Why did you take like an hour to get to that point? Cause we split it into two episodes. And so, you know, we've been accused of taking our time to get to our conclusions. And that's cause we believe in nuance and we think that sometimes good ideas, it takes time to build up to them. But if we gave you the answer right away, why would you listen to the other yeah. 45 minutes? Why listen to the rest of the episode? But in this episode, we do content strategy. <laughs> in this episode, we do want to just clearly address some things. So the first question is, <laughs> do we, Aaron Salvato and Brian Higgins, believe in the wrath of God? Yes. Yes. I think that it's pretty clear throughout scripture that the wrath of God is a real thing. It's yes. something not to be messed with. It's really an important part of the gospel storyline. It's what we're being saved from in the first place, the wrath of God that comes against our own sinfulness. Yeah. But what exactly is the wrath of God? That's a question we want to dive into in this episode. So that's, that's one thing. Another thing is, do do we believe that COVID-19 is something that God caused as an act of judgment? And I would say no. What about you? I'm with you there. I I don't think that this is something that we can look at and really definitively say we can look at this as God acting in judgment against this whatever group for this reason. Those are things that God hasn't clearly said to us. So how are we going to take those things and run with them? I, I think we should always be really careful about saying more than God has said. Yeah, exactly. And and so then the final question would be, you know, do we believe that America and the whole world needs to pray and repent? And the answer to that would be, yeah, always. Like that's never in question that we need to repent. It's all throughout scripture. So don't listen to this episode and think, oh, Aaron and Brian think that wrath isn't serious and we don't need to pray and repent. We do think wrath is serious. We do think that we constantly need to pray and repent. We just don't think that God is specifically inflicting human humanity with COVID-19 to try to get our attention. He already got our attention through the cross and it's worked (laughs) a lot for a lot of people. There's other ways God has of getting your attention than pandemics. So yeah, we, and this isn't to say that God can't use this moment in time to wake people up to the reality of his goodness and the fact that judgment is coming on the world. Like we totally believe that God can and will use this current time for the furthering of his kingdom to encourage gospel work. Yes. But to get to the point where we say this is an act of judgment against X group or against this thing that's happened or whatever then we're really pulling God's wrath out of the biblical gospel storyline and we're making it into when God gets mad, he just throws viruses around. And that's, I think, the big idea we want to push back on. Absolutely. And so we're going to do that through this episode. 
Maybe it'll be one episode. Maybe it'll be two. We don't know. We got to finish recording it first and then we'll know. But we want to, we want to start addressing some key questions. We've got about five or six key questions we want to jump at. The first of them being, is COVID-19 God judging a specific group of sinners? Okay, so the idea that we have here is what's called scapegoating. And that's a biblical term. That's something we see all the way back in ancient Israel where they had a custom of symbolically placing their sins onto a goat or some animal and then sending that goat away of you're now going to take our sins on for us and then you go get out of here. And when you leave, our sin leaves with you. Yeah, totally. The The scapegoat gets sent out and exiled and it carries the sins of the people. It's basically this idea of blaming others and others taking the penalty for our sins. And we do this all the time with sin in society. We, we take a group or some group of sinners who are different than us and we blame the world's problems on them instead of taking responsibility for our own actions and our own sin. It's one of the easiest things in the world to do, um, to find a sin that's not our sin, but it's something that we find disgusting. And then we say, this is the problem and this is the reason why the world is going into ruin. Here's some prime examples. And these aren't current guys. We're not you know, throwing any current people under the bus, but this is kind of well-documented stuff from the past. So... Pat Robertson in 1998 specifically suggested that God might send hurricanes and hellfire and lightning bolts to Florida to destroy Disney World in retaliation for sponsoring a gay day weekend. And this wasn't even just a one-time moment with Pat Robertson. After 9-11, he and very famously Jerry Falwell came out and attributed the terrorist attacks that happened in New York and in Washington, D.C., they called those things God's wrath specifically mm. aimed at, and this is a quote from them, pagans, abortionists, gays, lesbians, and the American Civil Liberties Union. <laughs> Which is the funniest one to me, the ACLU. Yeah. And just, man, I mean, picture this, pastors, people who are responsible of teaching the way of Jesus to people. And 9-11 just happened. We've had this horrible thing in our country that's tearing apart the country. And instead of bringing people together, you're saying, oh, that horrible thing that happened, it wasn't just the fault of terrorists who decided to fly those planes into the Twin Towers. No, it was actually the fault of abortionists and gays and lesbians. And for you know Christians who are listening to these pastors and just hanging on their every word, how is that going to affect the way that they treat the gay person in their community or the person struggling with trying to figure out if they should have an abortion or not. It's going to cause hatred. It's going to cause this feeling of, Oh, you're the reason the towers went down. And it's just, it's such irresponsible pastoring in, in my opinion. Well, even think about this by attributing this to God's wrath. Let's look at this from the lens of the unbeliever. That sounds like God is the one that made this happen. <laughs> and he wanted this to happen. But if but you're come someone to who come to church yeah, on come, Sunday and worship, come it. to church and we'll tell you how it all works. Whereas yeah. if you're a non-believer and you just lost a loved one in that day, it'd be really difficult to hear that and think, wow, that Christianity thing is something I should check out. Yeah. It's just so counter to anything that Jesus ever taught. And the, the, 
place in scripture where we were when Jesus left us and what he commanded us to do in spreading the gospel. It's just, it's, it's kind of a mess. And the final one we'll throw out is uh, pastor John Hagee. He blamed the 2005 hurricane Katrina on the LGBT community in new Orleans. And he said that Katrina hit on a Monday and it was a Monday that a massive gay pride parade was scheduled. And so that proved in his mind that hurricane Katrina was in fact the judgment of God against the city of new Orleans. And that last part is a quote from him. That's just so crazy to think about. I mean, to be a teacher of the gospel is to consistently talk about the grace of God. Yeah. And then as soon as something outside the normal realm shows up, to immediately just start looking for other people and say, I can blame this on that group over there. It just seems so counter the gospel. It seems yeah. so against what God would really want. And, and even just thinking, I always hear those things and I'm like, how did you come to that conclusion? Yeah. Like how, how did you know that just because that parade was happening that day, you now can say that, oh yeah, God's the one that did this and he did that to shut down your event. Like what happens if a hailstorm happens when your church barbecue is going on? Yeah, <laughs> right. Like it may not be like killing people and may not be destroying property, but like if any kind of weather event stops some gathering from happening, are we going to just say that God was against that gathering? Like that's such a... Yeah. Hard standard to try to apply throughout things that it seems ridiculous to apply at once. Yeah, this whole this whole mentality is insane. And what's even more insane is I when I was researching this, I found a quote from uh, Skeptic magazine and they were saying that, you know, they they tried to test the theory of these pastors where basically, you know, bad weather, hurricanes, all these horrible natural disasters tend to happen more where, you know, liberals and uh, homosexuals live. And they were like, our research actually found that the worst of this kind of stuff happens in the Midwest, the Bible Belt. So apparently God hates the Christians in the Midwest if we're applying this kind of logic. And I was just reading that and I was like, this is what it's come to. I'm agreeing with skeptic magazine more than pastors. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's I can at up. least, I at least see the logic in what's going on with skeptic magazine. Like I, I can at least see what they're trying to say. And right. that's the hard part. When, when this kind of thinking about God's wrath goes out, it leads the rest of the world to think, well, if that's what you think God's wrath is, here's seven ways we can show you that's silly. Yeah. And so, but the thing that they are saying is that the reason that bad things happen and the reason that specific horrible catastrophes happen, like hurricanes or the coronavirus, is because of specific sins done by specific groups of people. And here's personally why I don't agree with that. First of all, because it's dumb, it's dumb, <laughs> but let's, let's back up our, our logic here. First of all, how can we as pastors be the ones to judge which sins are the ones that are causing things? I'm not saying that we should say, we shouldn't say that sin is sin. We should absolutely preach that sin is sin. But for us to sit there and say, the reason this is happening to your town or your community or your state or nation or whatever is because of this specific group of sinners. It's just so inconsistent.
Okay, let's talk about New Orleans, right? Hurricane Katrina, 2005. Mm -hmm. Statistics show there was 16,554 gay couples in New Orleans back in 2005, right? So they're saying, oh, it's because of these homosexuals that this stuff happened. But think about the rest of the country in 2005. I looked up the statistics. In the rest of the country, there was... 1,390,695 violent crimes, 10,166,159 property crimes, 94,347 rapes, and that's just the ones that were reported. We know there's tons of them that go unreported. Mm -hmm. 31,000 divorces, 71.9 million people visiting porn sites. And when you compare that to how many gay couples are in New Orleans, 16,554. In 2005, New York, Chicago, and LA had way more same-sex couples that year. So it just doesn't line up. Like that logic doesn't line up. The entire country was messed up in 2005. Like why would New Orleans get singled out? It just makes no sense. This theology of any time a natural disaster occurs, just look at what sin is in the city or town or state, and you'll have the answer is such bogus theology, in my opinion. It's just, it's inconsistent to try to pin some horrible thing happening on just one group of sinners and say, oh, it's this one sin that caused it. And I don't think that it's our responsibility in place as Christians to be making those judgments because right in scripture, it says God is the one who judges. We can look at sin and say, it's bad. Um, It's bad for us as humanity, but to judge specific sinners and then to say that God punished and like destroyed a city because of a group of sinners, to me, it just, it's so out of the scope of what we as Christians are called to do and what we're supposed to be in the world. It's also crazy to me just thinking back in 2005, the population of New Orleans was 400 and just about 55,000 people. Mm. So you're saying that the other 430,000 New Orleans, New Orleans, New Orleanites, New <laughs> New Orlanders, yeah. however that phrase should go. Right. All those other people just had to deal with it. Yeah. Like God was saying, hey, sorry, you just happen to live too close, but it's those guys I'm going after. Like that just right. doesn't make any sense. And it's so outside the realm of what we see in the New Testament. Right. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus specifically says that God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Yeah. That just kind of the natural blessings of life, they shine on everyone and the natural problems in life, they fall on everyone. That's just the way that life goes. Jesus made that really clear that there's not this strong distinction between I'm going to make the sun rise on the good and I'm going to send the rain on the evil. Instead, he says the sun goes to both of them. The rain goes to both of them. That's how life works. Yeah. And if I could just jump in here, because I feel like, don't you feel like the, the person listening to this who may be might have a different way of thinking theologically than us. They might, and you might be listening and you might, you might think differently than us. I feel like the natural place to go to would be Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's a example of a city being destroyed because of evil people, right? Yes, definitely. So what's the difference between New Orleans and Sodom and Gomorrah? So one of the big differences between Hurricane Katrina in 2005 or any other example in our modern day that we want to cite and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah is in Genesis 18, 
we get this really specific conversation between God and Abraham. Right. And God is saying to Abraham, that city is wicked. Their sin is grieving me. They've done all of these terrible things. And now the outcry is so great. I need to bring judgment. And Abraham, at first, he's shocked by this. He's really pushing back. He's saying, whoa, Lord, you're not going to defeat the righteous and the unrighteous at the same time. Like, and he even starts asking, what if even 50 righteous people live in that city? Yeah. Are you going to destroy the city and wipe away those 50 righteous people? And God starts saying, nope, if there's 50 people there, I wouldn't be doing this. Right. And then Abraham starts slowly walking the number down. <laughs> starts being like, well, what if there's like 45? And God's like, nope, I wouldn't do this if there's 45 there. And starts walking it all the way down until eventually... What you realize is when destruction is happening in that city, there is literally no one righteous there. Right. It's completely filled with sinners who are sinning in ways that are violent and disturbing and are so, so wrong. That's more than just here's this one thing we know they did wrong. Well, we the, know that the funny thing everything is that, they were doing was wrong. The funny thing is that Sodom and Gomorrah is yet another passage where we try to make it all about homosexuality when the Bible clearly lists other sins that were a part of that scenario. So, yeah, that's just interesting. But I, so I just bring up Sodom and Gomorrah because I feel like it'd be so easy for someone listening to this to bring that up. And I think it's important for us to point out, again, we believe in the wrath of God. We believe Sodom and Gomorrah is a literal story that happened. We're not saying that God can't destroy a city for being evil. But what we are saying is that the current model, this is post-Jesus, post-resurrection, this is the church era. We don't see God operating in this way or even indicating to us in scripture that this is the way that he operates because the mission of the Old Testament was to get the family of God to a place where Jesus could be born to save the world. Post-New Testament, the mission of the church and God is rescue mission. It's rescuing the world. It's compassion. And and it's always been his plan. You don't really see it in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah because you're just looking at one part of the story zoomed really, really close in. But in our current paradigm of where we're at in the story of God, he's not under the habit of wiping out cities where sinners live. He's in the habit of sending missionaries to cities where sinners live. And you have to understand that if he destroys New Orleans because of sinners, he's also destroying Christians. There are Christians in that city. There's there are mm-hmm. people who are part of his family. It's just not it's not the way that he operates in the current present moment. I like that you bring up there's a distinction between the current moment and then the moment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because thinking about living in the New Testament moment where we are, one of the passages that I love going to is Luke 13, where apparently the disciples are asking Jesus at the start of the chapter about a tower that fell in a city called Siloam and about 18 people died. And one of the questions they seem to be bringing up is how come it was those people that died in that tower? And really the question underlying it was, were they worse than anybody else? Like, was Mm. that judgment that happened to them? Because if you're looking at a hurricane coming at a big city of 450,000 to judge 16,000, 
that's hard logic to work out. But if you're looking at 18 people, yeah, then maybe you can say like, Hey, what was wrong with those 18 people? Yeah, like what happened? Murderers? Were they 18 thieves? Like what, what was going on? Yeah. What specific problem did they have? And Jesus, as he's answering about this, he brings up like, do you think those guys were worse sinners because they suffered that way? Like that's <laughs> right. not at all how it worked. Like Jesus specifically says, that's not how my justice and wrath work. That's yeah, not right. how it operates today. He that's, was not willing to point out, here's a sin they committed that led to this. For him, he just seemed to sidestep it all together and be like, that's ridiculous. That's right. not how this works. But instead, use this as a moment to remind yourself, one day you'll die too, and then the big judgment will come. And yes. that's what you really need to be ready for. And, and I'm so glad you pointed out that story because I feel like it's really important for us to understand as we're studying scripture that yes, the Bible is all God's word. It's all the words that God intended to be written on the pages for us to read and absorb into our hearts. But Jesus is the true word of God. In, in the beginning, in John, when it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, it's not talking about the Bible. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is what God has to say. And I have seen way too many Christians pull out verses in the Old Testament and say, this is what God is like. This is what he does. This is what he always does because it's in this Old Testament story. And I would just argue that even though I would never look at an Old Testament story and say, oh, that's not true. That didn't happen. Like some, you know, biblical scholars do when they're mm-hmm. of a more liberal persu- persuasion, I would never do that. But I would say that anytime you read in the Bible, you have to interpret it through the lens of Jesus. You have to look at what Jesus did and what he said and use that as your guidepost for how you read those stories. So yeah, do I believe Sodom and Gomorrah happened? Absolutely. But I do think that we need to read that story within the lens of the entire story and who Jesus is and and what God has to say. So that's the answer that we have to the first question. Is COVID-19 God judging a specific group of sinners? No, we would say that would be scapegoating. Brian, what are some other key takeaways we can take from this question? Well, I think the big thing is remembering that it's not the job of Christians to find one group of fallen sinful people and say their horrible things have led to this horrible situation like a virus or a natural disaster. All that that does is teach Christians to go look down on sinners and say, we're righteous. We're above you. We're not the reason these bad things go on. It's your problem that led to this. Yeah. And Jesus says, you know, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye and ignore the plank in your own. We all Mm -hmm. are messed up. We all have problems. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous. No, not one. The reality is anytime you're reading, this is what I've had to realize of myself. Anytime I'm when I was younger, I would read the stories in the Old Testament of someone getting judged. And I think, oh, that sinner, they deserved it. Not like me. I'm a good little Christian boy. Mm-hmm. I, I've realized I de- like the punishments that people got in the Old Testament. I deserve those just as much as anyone else. I've sinned just as much as anyone else. It's only by God's grace 
that I can be saved. And I'm so thankful for that. But I understand that there's a lot of really gnarly stuff that had to happen to get us to this point in human history. Mm -hmm. I think there's a really common phrase that gets said about the gospel, that Jesus lived the life that you should have lived and he died the death that you should have died. Yeah. It's one of those phrases that just kind of gets thrown out when people are talking about who Jesus was and what he did as he walked the earth and what he specifically did in his death and resurrection. And we say that. And then when we look at a situation in the world where people are actually dying, yeah, we look at it and say, well, I don't deserve that to happen to me. It must be those other sinners that mm. deserve that. Right. My sin couldn't deserve that. And yet when we look at the cross, we need to see if we're just going to make who sinned as who deserves to die, then the answer is everybody. Yeah, all of us. And that's what happened in the story of Noah. And now we're in, you know, phase two of humanity, the do-over with with Noah and his family, and we're all descendants of that. And, and God in his grace has not destroyed the world again when he had every right and reason to, but instead he sent us a savior. And we need to look at people who are struggling with sin you know, I love Evan Wickham. He he taught a sermon at a summer camp that I led uh, with Calvary Vista. And he brought out this excellent sermon where basically he said, we constantly are calling sinners lost people, but we need to remember that lost people are loved people. We need to remember that God's heart towards them is one of rescue and redemption. So when we look at people who are in sin, we need to stop saying, oh, those sinners we need to think these are people who are in need of a savior, just like I was in need of a savior. It's the job of the church not to judge the world, but to preach Jesus during these times and help people recenter their focus on Jesus. That's so good. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. This is going to be part one of an ongoing series called Tough Questions in the Current Crisis. We hope this episode made you think. We hope it encouraged you. And most of all, we hope that it brought some clarity into this moment that brings a lot of questions with it. Brian and I don't have all the answers. We're not experts. We're two guys who love Jesus very much, and we want to do our best to research and study and represent Jesus in this moment well. We hope that we've done that with this episode and that we continue to do that throughout this series. Our next episode is going to be tackling the topic, Does God Use Sickness, Pandemics, and Natural Disasters to Punish People? Our show is a production of the Calvary Global Network. It's produced by myself and Brian Higgins, and it's a part of the Good Lion Podcast Network. Check out our website, goodlion.io, for many, many amazing resources and podcasts from Christian content creators all over the web. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes, or you can support us at goodlion.io slash support. Our goal with this show is to ask hard questions, push past easy answers, and always look to Jesus, the God who is not safe, but is very, very good.